Wonderful. Thank you for serving us so wonderfully, guys. Good morning. How are we doing? You excited to be here? Hello, everyone at home, Life Church, wherever it is you're watching. Welcome. Welcome down to Sunny Hill. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for taking some time to be here. We believe God wants to do stuff this morning, right? Yeah. Believe the Holy Spirit wants to move amongst us, in us, through us, around us. Amen. Amen. Also believe that the Holy Spirit is going to do whatever he needs to do before two o'clock today. All right? <laughs> right? Yeah? Amen. <laughs> Simeon's clapping. Because the Holy Spirit's got to dash off to Wembley at two o'clock. And uh, he's got to give some help to some footballers to, to be victorious this morning. Not many football fans in the house, I don't think, this morning. Well, welcome, welcome. We're, we're doing a little teaching series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're asking questions like, who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? What should we be asking of the Holy Spirit? And it's been really exciting just to listen to the way God has been teaching us over the last few weeks. And today I believe he wants to reveal some more things to us, maybe some things that we already know. But there's no harm in hearing stuff that we already know, right? We need to hear it over and over again. So it's great to be here. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Phil. For those of you watching at home, my name's Phil. I've had the joy and the privilege of being part of the leadership team here at Sunny Hill for, oh gosh, 10, 10 plus years now. It's been a great joy. And I'm given the privilege from time to time of just being able to share uh, some things from the scripture with you. And uh, I'm looking forward to being able to do that with you this morning. I've got, uh, I've got four kids, those who don't, most of you will know my kids, fantastic kids, Noah, Isaac, Tabby and Theo, brilliant kids, they're not here, they're at the nine o'clock service, and uh, I've got a wonderful, amazing wife called Emily, anyone know, anyone know my wife? She's, she's cool, right? She's cool, in fact, it's a fact that my wife is the best person on the planet, like, that's not an opinion, that's fact. Right, she's the best person on the planet. Like she really is. She's far better than any of you <laughs> by a country mile. Like she, she is the best person on the planet, and I'm grateful to God for letting me share my life with with the best person on the planet. But she's not perfect, right? She's the best, but she's not perfect. And if I had the power within me to change. Some minor imperfections in, oh, here we go. Just going to undo all that good work, right? <laughs> if I had the power to change one or two minor imperfections, there are, there are a couple of things that I probably would want to change about. One of the things concerns her approach to washing the dishes, right? There's something about the way she washes the dishes that is just wrong. Just clean wrongs. Best person on the planet, not good at washing the dishes, right? Here, here, we have a big family, right? So every meal time, it's messy after, and there's lots that needs to be cleared up, lots of pots and pans that are dirty that need washing up. And she does do it. To be honest, I do it most of the time, but she, she does do it. And when she does it, she does okay. She does okay in that particular task. She, in fairness to her, she does get the dishes clean. And so I've got no problem with the cleanliness of the dishes. My problem comes after she has washed the dishes. You see, there are two approaches to 
washing the dishes. One is you wash and then dry (laughs) with a tea towel and put it away in the cupboard like any normal person would do. The other approach is you wash the dish and then you stack. Right? You stack. You, you, You put it on the draining board and then you get your next dish and you wash it up and clean and then you stack it on top of the previous dish. Right? And then you get your next one, and you clean it, and then you stack it on top of the previous two dishes. There, there are dryers in this world, and there are stackers. Who are dryers in this house this morning? No dryers. A few dryers. Nikki, well done. Nikki, who's that? Katie. Katie, sorry, I couldn't see the light shining. Echo, well done. Any stackers in the house? Oh, come on, guys. You're all wrong. You're bang wrong. But listen, you may be a stacker, but let me tell you something. My wife takes stacking to the next level, right? She takes it to the next level. I'm not just talking a couple of little dishes, you know, on the draining board left to dry. I'm talking like cupboardfuls of pots and pans. She'll place, she'll clean, she'll place carefully. The next one, place carefully. And before you know it, there's this precariously balanced draining board of pots, pans, cups, whatever it is, you name it, just almost up to the ceiling in our house. And for me, I'm just bemused by that approach to washing the dishes. It's like, what are you doing? The pots and pots, they're no good to anyone stacked on the draining board. Dry them up, put them away so that they can be used for what they were designed for. They're no good to anyone on the draining board. And so my wife's approach to washing the dishes is imperfect. It's wrong because in my mind, She's only doing half a job, right? She's only getting half the job done. You know, if you want the washing up job done properly, you can go to my wife and she'll do it okay. But what you really need is someone better. (laughs) What you really need is someone who's going to get the job done right keep that in your mind as we open our bibles to mark chapter one go for it you're thinking where's he going with all this i'm not going very far with all this to be honest but i think there's a little connection there mark chapter one mark chapter one records what is really the um launching point for jesus ministry jesus had been on earth for 30 years growing up working as a carpenter doing all the things that carpenters do in Israel. And at age 30, his ministry was launched, where he would go and begin to announce the kingdom of God's arrival and begin to demonstrate the power of the kingdom of God with all the wonderful works that Jesus would do. But just before Jesus' ministry was launched, this quirky, strange man appeared in the desert in Israel. His name was John the Baptist. He was a strange guy. He kind of wore funny clothes and he ate weird food. And he appeared in the desert and he was announcing a message to the people that lived in Israel. And his message was this. Can you put it up on the screen for me there? Mark 1, uh, Mark 1 verse 4. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. This strange guy appears in the desert and he begins to call people. Whoever would listen and say, guys, it's time to confess your sins and it's time to repent of your rebellious ways. And so everyone, it says, all of Judea and all Jerusalem were coming out to him. They were confessing their sins and they were repenting. Confession and repentance. Confession is when you acknowledge that you've done wrong. Repentance is when you decide to change your ways. Repentance is when you decide to turn around and follow God. Now, this wasn't an unusual occurrence in the history of Israel. There were many times when prophets like John the Baptist would appear and they would call people to confession and repentance. You know the story, right? If you know your Bible, you know the story that God chose and appointed the nation, the people of Israel, to be the vessel through which he would display his goodness and his glory and his holiness to the rest of the world. Right? God chose Israel for, for, no, reason, for, for, for no reason. Well, no reason in them. It's not that they were more special than anyone else. It's not that they were better than anyone else. God chose them and decided to set his love and affection upon them and make them his treasured possession, it says in the Old Testament. And once he'd chosen them, he said, right, guys, you're my treasured possession. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to live your lives in such a way so that the rest of the world gets an insight into the glory goodness, the holiness, and the purity of who I am. And I want you to spread the blessing that I'm placing upon you to the rest of the world. That was the calling. That was the vocation of the people of Israel, to be the channel through which God would reveal himself to the whole world. And if you know your Bible, which many of you do, you will know that for most of their history, Israel failed miserably at this calling. They were not faithful to the God who had chosen them. They were unfaithful. They did not live lives according to the holy and upright law of God. They lived lives that were marked by rebellion and idolatry. Apart from a few seasons where Israel walked in some level of faithfulness, for the most part, the nation, the people, failed miserably at what they were called to do. And in these moments, what God would often do is he would send a prophet with a message calling the people to change their ways and to return to God. Time and time again, in the moments when God's people had turned their back on him, were living in unfaithfulness towards them, God would send a prophet who would say to the nation, turn It's time to return to God. It's time to come back to him. Change your ways. Confess your sins. Come back to him and be what you were called to be. And so it wasn't unusual for a prophet to appear in Israel, calling the people to confession and repentance. And that's what John the Baptist was doing just before Jesus' ministry was launched. He appeared and he was calling the people to confession and repentance. And one of the things that John did is he baptized people. You know what baptism is? It's when someone is dunked underwater and then lifted up. 
It's a symbolic act which is intended to um, communicate the idea that sins have been wiped away, that transgressions have been forgiven. And so when these people from Israel and Judah and Jerusalem would come out to John the Baptist, they would confess their sins and John would dunk them under the water in the river Jordan and he would lift them up and as he lifted them up, soaking wet, the, 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 the picture is that they had had their sins forgiven and they had been made clean by the mercy of God. Come and be baptized. Confess your sins and no forgiveness. That's what John's baptism was all about. And this was his invitation to the people at this time. Come, confess, repent. That was the invitation he extended to anyone who would listen. But that was not the message that John preached. Right? It was the invitation that John extended. It wasn't the message he preached. The message he preached was this. Can you flick it up on the screen? Go down to verse 7 and 8. And John preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That was the message John preached. The invitation was confess and repent. The message was, guys, someone else is coming after me. The message was, guys, don't for a second imagine that I am all you need to become all that God wants you to become. You see, John knew there was a limit to his ministry. Right? John knew that he couldn't give the people what they really need. John knew that he didn't have the power within him to fix the problem of the human heart. John knew that he didn't have it within him to turn a corrupt and rebellious heart into a faithful and obedient heart. And so John, not for a second, let the people believe that he and his ministry was all that they needed to become all that God wanted them to become. He was at pains to let everyone know that they needed to wait for another. They needed to wait for one who was coming. Now, John's ministry was significant, and it was powerful, for sure. And it was God-ordained, absolutely. But it was limited in its effectiveness. You see, all John could really do was give the people a wash and get them forgiven. But any more than that, he was unable to do. All John could really do was encourage them to confess their sins and decide to live a different way. And by baptizing them, he could assure them of the forgiveness of their sins. But John, John couldn't stop them from sinning again. John could just about get forgiveness for them, but nothing more. And so when it comes to this whole business of washing and cleaning, John, much like my brilliant wife Emily, could only really get the job 
half done. He got the pots and the pans clean, but he got them no further than the draining board. John's ministry, John's baptism was limited in its effectiveness. You see, what the people needed then, and what you and I need now, is more than just forgiveness, right? If we're going to become all that God intends for us to become, if we're going to walk in the fullness of all of God's purposes and plans for our life, if we're going to be as fruitful as God intends for us to be, friends, we need more than just forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is glorious. And we're eternally thankful to God for his immeasurable mercy and forgiving us time and time and time again. And we should be marveling at the beauty of forgiveness. But if we're going to become all that God wants us to become, we need more than just forgiveness. You see, forgiveness can remove our past sins, but it can't protect us from future sins, right? Forgiveness can give us a clear conscience, but it can't create in us a pure heart, right? Forgiveness can give us a new beginning, a clean slate, if you like, but forgiveness can't secure for us an eternal destiny. Friends, if we're going to be who God wants us to be, we're going to impact the world in the way that God wants us to impact the world. We need more than John's baptism. We need an altogether different, more powerful kind of baptism. We need more than just forgiveness. You know, Jesus did In Luke chapter 11, you can turn there if you've got your Bible. Jesus delivered some really powerful teaching, as he always did. All of Jesus' teaching is powerful. You know that, don't you? Everything Jesus says is profoundly powerful. You know that. Right, read your Bibles then. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus delivered this profound, slightly bizarre, complex teaching. And it's difficult to understand what he meant, but I think it's connected to what we're talking about here. Listen to this. Luke chapter 11, Jesus says this. He says, when the unclean spirit goes out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. Jesus says, the human heart is like a a house. And you can get it clean, right? You can remove all the uncleanness from it, whether it's bad spirits, whether it's rebellion, whether it's sin, whether it's transgression, whatever it may be. You can, you can remove all of that from the house of your heart. But, Jesus says, if that house is left empty, 
In other words, if nothing comes in to take the place of what's left, <laughs> Jesus says you're leaving yourself in a vulnerable and a dangerous situation. Because if the house is left empty, well, then there's every chance that what left it <laughs> is going to come back and it's going to make the condition of that house worse than it ever was to begin with. And here's the principle. We can be forgiven. We can have our past transgressions removed from our life and buried in the depth of the sea, as it says in the Psalms. And we can have the house of our hearts cleaned up, swept clean, put in order and tidied out. But unless something else comes to inhabit that space, then there's nothing to stop what left it coming back. And so, friends, we need more than forgiveness. See, forgiveness can give us a fresh start. (laughs) Forgiveness can give us a clean slate, but forgiveness doesn't create in us a pure heart. And God's people, God intends for his people to be people who not only have fresh starts, but have pure hearts. And so there's a limit to what forgiveness can achieve in our lives. And I think John was well aware of this, which is why John was saying, guys, listen, you, you, I, I can't do for you what you need, what needs to be done. I'm baptizing with you with water, man. I'm, I'm getting you to acknowledge, confess your sins and to decide to turn. And I'm dunking you under the water and I'm assuring you of God's forgiveness for all of your past sins. But I can do nothing more than that. I can't fix the problem of your corrupt and selfish hearts, John said. John knew he couldn't do that. John knew there was a limit to what he could achieve in the lives of, the pe- of God's people. It's like, I can't change your heart. I can't, I can't change those selfish desires that you carry around with you. I can't break that addiction that's been holding you captive forever. I can't change that sinful and harmful thought pattern that you've been carrying around with you. I can't heal that emotional wound that lives in your heart that makes you say and do things that hurt others. I can't do that. All I can do is baptize you with water. And assure you that your past sins have been forgiven. But, but, John says, after me, there's another coming. Oh boy, there's another coming after me. And let me tell you about this one who's coming. He's way better than I am. This one who's coming after me, John says, is far more powerful than I am. In fact, he's infinitely great. In fact, the one who's coming after me, John says, he's so great that I'm not even worthy to get down on my knees and to untie his shoelaces. That's how great this one who is coming after me is. Infinitely greater than I am. Infinitely more powerful. Infinitely more glorious than I am. And John says, I can just baptize you in water, but the one who is coming says he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. 
In other words, John's saying, the one who follows me, he's the one who's going to do for you what you really need to be done. Because he baptizes in the Holy Spirit. You know, we often talk about Jesus in different ways in the church, right? We've got different aspects of his ministry and his work for us that we often relate to. So we'll often talk about Jesus as the one, you know, who takes away our sin. We talk about him as the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb, and we praise him for that. And we talk about Jesus as the one who rescues us from the pit. And so we talk about Jesus as our Savior, you know. We often talk about Jesus as the one who rules and reigns over all things. And so we'll often talk about Jesus as the King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We'll talk about Jesus as our friend, you know, as our brother, as our Messiah. We often talk about Jesus in no ways, and and rightly so, because they're all glorious. But we don't often, I don't think, anyway, talk about Jesus the baptizer. Jesus the baptizer. Seven times in the New Testament, Jesus is described as one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. But we don't talk about him too much. And that's unfortunate because Jesus' ministry as the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit is crucial and indispensable to the church, to you and I. Right? We, we, we cannot do what God has designed us to do. We cannot be who God has created us to be unless we have one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, right? You know, Jesus' ministry didn't finish on the cross, right? Jesus didn't die on the cross and just chill out and forget about us for the rest of eternity. Jesus' ministry did not finish on the cross. Yeah, I know on the cross he cried out, it is finished, right? But it is finished, not I am finished, right? The the cross was a decisive moment in the purposes of, of God, for sure. It was a moment of decisive and final victory, for sure, right? Where he secured the freedom of of those who were held captive, right? For sure it was a decisive moment, but Jesus didn't stop ministering at that point. Jesus died on the cross, went into the grave, and then three days later he rose again. In other words, he's saying, I've got more work to do, right? And then 40 days after that, he ascended to the Father. And he's now seated in glory with the Father. But even up there, he's not finished his ministry. He's not finished working, right? Because 10 days after his ascension, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, we're told that Jesus, having received the promised Holy Spirit, poured it out on the church, baptized his people in the Holy Spirit. And he's been doing it over and over And over again, for the last 2,000 years, he's been baptizing his people, filling his people with the Holy Spirit. Anyone who asks to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus is willing and ready to pour out. So Jesus is still ministering, still pouring out his Holy Spirit. And it's crucial, it's crucial that this is what we understand he wants to do with us 
and in us, right? You know, Jesus doesn't just want to remove the uncleanness from the house of our hearts. Jesus wants to, yes, remove the uncleanness from our hearts, but then he wants to send his spirit of holiness, the Holy Spirit, (laughs) to take up residence. When the Holy Spirit begins to take up residence, not only are you forgiven of past sins, but actually you begin to experience power to prevent future sins. Not only are you given a clean conscience, but you're given a heart that begins to grow in purity and godliness and holiness. And it's crucial that we understand this, and it's crucial that we understand that Jesus wants to baptize us in his Holy Spirit. He wants to fill us with the spirit of holiness. That what Jesus does for us is more than what John the Baptist did for those in Israel at that time. Yeah, if we don't understand and receive the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, well, then, well, then we're stuck with John's baptism, <laughs> which was powerful and significant and beautiful and God-ordained, but it didn't fit. God's work did not finish with John's baptism. If, if God's work finished with John's baptism, well, then we're all stuffed, right? Because all that happens is we sin and we confess and we repent. But hey, hope. Oh, couple of days later we sin again right? and we confess and then repent and we get baptized by John and we're made clean but oh oh hang on I'm I'm made dirty again I'm gonna have to go back to John again and I'm gonna have to confess my sin again I'm gonna have to repent confess and repent and then back and sin confess and before you know it you're just worn down because you don't seem to be able to get any nearer to the destiny that God has desired and planned for us. It's just sin, confess, repent. Sin, confess, repent. But when the baptizer in the Holy Spirit comes, when the baptizer in the Holy Spirit comes, we find ourselves caught up in an altogether different kind of situation. We find ourselves caught up in an altogether different kind of cycle. The Apostle Paul describes it like this in 2 Corinthians Chapter 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unfailed face, we're beholding the glory of the Lord, and we're being transformed. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. But this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That is the situation those of us who have been baptized in the Spirit find ourselves in. Those of us who are filled with the Holy Spirit find ourselves in that situation. No longer are we caught in a cycle of sin, confess, repent, sin, confess, repent. Now, according to the words of Paul, we're caught in a different kind of circle, which is glory to 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 glory. We're being transformed, Paul says, from one degree of glory to another. And so now with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not only are we made clean and forgiven of all our past mistakes. No, now we have to be transformed. Now we have the power to become who God always intended for us to become. 
You see, Jesus isn't just the rescuer of the broken. He's the restorer of the broken, right? He's not the one who just pulls us out of the pit. Yes, he does do that. He pulls us out of the pit, but when he pulls us out of the pit, he, he sends of holiness to live inside us so that we can be restored to the image of his glory. Glory into glory into glory into glory into glory into glory into glory. That's the promise for those who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Does that mean we're made perfect overnight? No, of course not. Does that mean we never have to confess or acknowledge our sin again? No, of course not. But what it does mean is that we can truly, we can truly experience being transformed as human beings. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, friends, you should be changing. Right? You should be changing. Your desires should be shifting. You should be more sensitive to things that dishonor God. You should experience the conviction. I'm not saying you need to get everything right and never make a mistake again. No, 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 that's not how, that's not how it works, right? But I'm saying if the spirit is within you, it's impossible not to change. And if you've not changed, like hear me, hear me, friends. If you have not changed, then I would question whether you're filled with the Holy Spirit. If the desires of your heart are not being conformed to the desires of Christ, if you do not truly desire to want to love God more, trust Him more, worship Him more faithfully, if there's no shift, even a, even, even a little shift is evidence of the Spirit's work, but if there's nothing, just cold indifference to the things of God, I don't think the Holy Spirit is alive in you. And if you want to talk to me more about this, I'm happy because I understand it. That may concern some of you. But what I'm saying is where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is transformation. Not perfection. One day there'll be perfection. Glory, 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 glory. Perfection. One day. Looking forward to that day? Yeah. One day there'll be perfection. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, while there's not perfection yet, there is transformation. Amen. And that's what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means to become all that God designed for you to become. It means to be walking in increasing conformity to the will and the way and the purpose of God. If we're filled with the Spirit, there should be a sense in which, you know, over time we should experience a softer heart. We should experience a, a, a deeper passion for holiness and purity. We should be people of more integrity, you know, over time. Not, not, not all at once, of course, right? It's okay to be weak. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to be flawed. There's enough grace in him to cover that. But if the Holy Spirit is in you, you should be being transformed from glory into glory, into glory, into glory, into glory, into glory, into glory. Just what the Holy Spirit does when He fills a human heart. And some of you may be sitting there going, Oh, that's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is, you know, those moments where you have a dramatic encounter with God. 
and you're given like some kind of gift of tongues or prophecy and you know you know those moments where you're, you're in a meeting and you fall to the ground and you experience the presence of God in just a manifest and tangible way that's the Holy Spirit that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit and to that I say yes 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 for sure for sure God does that God loves to do that Let's pursue it. Let's ask for it. Let's ask for those moments of dramatic encounter where we experience the presence of God in a powerful, real and profound way. Let's ask for that. Let's seek it. Let's earnestly desire it for sure. But listen, if those moments don't serve the purpose of transformation in your life, moments don't serve the purpose of transformation in your life in other words if you have a moment with God but you're not changed by it well then it was a waste of time you can have all the spiritual gifts in the world you can speak in tongues you can prophesy you can raise the dead you can heal but if you're not being transformed into the likeness of Christ right see what Paul says he says this I can speak in the tongues of angels give up my body to be burned to the flames but if I don't love in other words if I'm not manifesting the very presence of Jesus in my life well then I'm nothing Paul says the Holy Spirit comes and he works in lots of different ways and I don't want to be little I don't want to belittle those moments guys I believe they're real and I believe God wants to give us those and I don't want to sound as if I think the gifts of the Holy Spirit are insignificant they're not, they're crucial to our growth as a body and as Christians but all I'm trying to hammer home this morning is that the reason the Holy Spirit comes to live in us is primarily so we will be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Right? Be conformed to the likeness of Christ. The Holy Spirit is not only active in us, you know, from event to event. You know, sometimes I'm concerned that You know, we get preoccupied with moments and encounters. And we forget that what the Holy Spirit really wants to do in us is transform us. Sometimes. But moments are important. I don't want you to, I don't want to sound like that they're not, because they are, for sure. And in fact, I think in a couple of weeks, Dom's going to be speaking about that. But for this morning, I want to pray for us. Is that okay? I want to pray just for a fresh baptism in filling, whatever you want to call it. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in a fresh way this morning. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to, to change us from one degree of glory this morning to the next. Is it possible that we could walk out of those doors more glorious than when we came in? Right? I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would do that in us this morning. I especially want to pray for anyone in this room who just feels stuck, right? Anyone who just feels stuck in their walk with God, they're just like, I can't get beyond 
where I have been for the last 10 years. I'm not changing. I'm not growing. I'm not moving forward. There's no passion. There's no affection stirring in me. I can't get beyond this thing. There's this, there's this habit. There's this addiction. There's this sin that I keep returning to and I just can't get beyond it. And it's keeping you stuck and you're not being transformed from glory into glory. If anyone feels like they're stuck this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that right now in this moment, the Holy Spirit will baptize you afresh. And whatever it is that's holding you will be broken in Jesus' name. Some of you just don't have the discipline or the focus to see God. You just can't do it. No matter how hard you try, you just sit down, you try and open your Bible and your mind just goes off 100 miles an hour and you just got no desire, no hunger to want to hear God's word or read the scriptures. I want to pray this morning that you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit so that you would know a hunger like you've never known before. So that you would know a desire to seek Him with all your heart like never before. Can I do that this morning? Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Come on. Holy Spirit, we want you to come this morning. If you want to receive from the Holy Spirit, just put your body in a posture that demonstrates that. You don't have to. There's no rules about this. Jesus said, anyone who asks the Holy Spirit, me for the Holy Spirit, the Father for the Holy Spirit, it will be given to them. Ask and it will be given, Jesus said. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. Lord, we're asking you this morning. We're asking you, Lord, for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon us and in us. Lord, we want to be transformed this morning from one degree of glory to another. We want to walk out of these doors loving you more, knowing you better, trusting you more deeply, worshipping you more faithfully, more hungry for you than we've ever been. Holy Spirit, would you come? Baptise us afresh. Fill us afresh. We need you. We can't be who you've called us to be without you. We can't do it without your Holy Spirit. We're destined to fail. Without the power of your Holy Spirit, we can't be changed. We can't be transformed. We can try, but we'll fail. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. Lord, we bless you for forgiveness. We thank you that all of our past transgressions can be taken away. But Lord, we praise you. We praise you that you want to fill our hearts with your presence. That you want to transform us from one degree of glory into another. Lord, anyone in this room who's feeling stuck right now, anything that's holding them back, anyone who feels like they just can't, get move forward with you anyone who feels like you've forgotten about them anyone who feels like they're destined to fail for the rest of their lives lord i pray now that your holy spirit would minister to them and touch them in a fresh way lord i want to pray that your holy spirit would break anything that is holding us back from moving forward with you anything that is keeping us from knowing you better loving you more and being changed by you i want to pray in jesus name that you'll be broken Lord, if it's a habit, an addiction, a fault pattern, you know, a temptation that keeps winning, Lord, whatever it is, I want to pray, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, that it will be broken. Broken in the name of Jesus. Broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you. Thank you. You're greater than John ever was. Lord, we thank you for John. What an example he was to us of faithfulness and commitment to you. But Lord, you're better. You are better. You're infinitely greater. You're infinitely more powerful, infinitely more glorious, infinitely more beautiful. And this morning we say, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. We want to love you more. We want to love you more. We want to know you better. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.